You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. And you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off. And then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal. And this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners. And I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. My name is Andrew Gerza. I am your number one queer cripple, your disabled dick smith, and your host with the most, here to shine a bright light on 
disability, sexuality, and everything in between. So, let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started. Okay, first things first, I want to give a shout out to some people that support the show and help a bright light keep shining on these issues. So the, the person that I'm going to give a shout out today simply comes to us by the name Reasoned Traveler. And I'm not sure if I've already given them a shout out because I can't remember. So if I did already, you get a, you get a double one. So Reasoned Traveler, thank you for finding a reason to travel on over to my podcast and support the show for $1 a month. Thank you so much, and you get that awkward shout-out like I just gave you, so thanks for doing that there. Reason Traveler, thank you. If you want to support the show at the $1, $5 level and get the show one day early, uh, a shout-out for me, and possibly the chance to design a show with me, you can do so by pledging at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. And I use the money to live and to make a living off of this great program. And I use the money to uh, to support other disability creators as well. So thank you so much for pledging to this show. To this show. It means a lot. Thank you for helping me being able to do what I do. It means a lot when income can be so sparse for us. I really, 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 truly appreciate it. On with the show today. We sit down with a new person that I just recently met because they reach out to me via email. And I love getting emails like this on the show. I got an email from somebody who was like, hey, I heard you wanted help with transcriptions. I want to help you do that. And also... Here's just my kind of backstory. And so we started, the guest and I today, named Sydney Bauman, started talking about her experiences with MS and what that means for her and how that, that affected her relationship and how that affected her polyamory. And, and we talk about her diagnosis and we talk about all these things and how, how what it's like to be, to, to have to transition from being quote unquote able-bodied to then having MS and what that meant for her, and we talk about so many things. One of the things that I love that we talk about on, on this episode is that we have a chat about her proposal and what it was like for her to use her mobility device to be proposed to. And we talk actually to her husband for a few minutes about that on the show today. It was a really fun chat. It was an important chat because we get to talk about what it was like to be diagnosed with, with a disability and what diagnosis felt like for her. Um, so much, so many nuanced parts of this chat today, and I'm really, really excited to bring it to you. So I'm going to stop the rambling, and I'm going to let you meet my new friend and part of the new transcription team for Disability After Dark. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I mentioned that just there. She's helping us transcribe the show for the heart of hearing community. So yay! Um, so I want to introduce you now to my new friend, where we talk all about all the things, my new friend, Sydney Bauman, right now on Disability After Dark. Sydney Bauman, hello. Hi, Andrew. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here today. Thank you for, for first of all, rescheduling nine million times. Oh, and, please, you're 
The first time that we rescheduled, this is the first time that I rescheduled not because of a disability thing, but because I want to get my dick sucked. So, <laughs> thank you for being such an accommodating guest and understanding when I emailed you and was like, somebody wants to come over and make me come. Can we reschedule that for another day? I mean, to be honest, I've never had a dick to get sucked, but if I did, I'd be like, hey, can can we do this some other time? Because, <laughs> come on. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, yes. So, one of the other reasons why I love that you're here today and why I'm so excited to talk to you is because a couple weeks ago on the podcast, I asked, I just randomly was like, hey, everyone's been asking me to do transcriptions. Can somebody, does anyone want to help with that? And you were one of the first emails I got that was like, I love your show. Like, thank you for putting it out there. And I'd love to help. And I was like, oh, my heart swelled. So, just, I want to thank you officially, Sydney, for... for <laughs> taking up the call because I don't know what the hell I don't know how to transcribe anything and I think it's important but I don't know how to do it so when you said I want to help I was like this is important so listeners when the transcriptions finally happen and they are they're in the works don't worry we're working on them together when they're in when they finally go you will now know someone one of the team members who's doing it with us yay um so I just wanted to thank you for that because I want to make this show as accessible as possible. And I know over the last couple of years, I just kind of didn't really focus on transcriptions. And the more and more people were asking me, like, I love your show, but I need to read it. And I, and I just didn't have the resources or the time to dedicate to that. Like, I tried at one point to uh, to do it myself. And I was like, this is way too, it takes, it's so hard and I can't do it. So I gave up. But, I mean, you're one of the, you're... One of four people who have... Who, there's a fourth? Oh, my gosh. Th- there's somebody in. There's somebody who reached out to me and said, I want to help. And I said, no, we have three right now. We're okay. But, like, stand by. If I need you, I'll reach out. So there are people waiting in the wings to transcribe this show, which which is weird because, like, which is great, but also weird because, like, people love it so much they want. Like, that's awesome. You are that famous. Like, I, I am in the presence uh, of greatness. I need to calm down a little bit. Are you fangirling out right now? A little bit. I was really excited about this. And well, still am. I'm so happy that you're here. <laughs> so, so before we, like, fangirl over each other, let's um, get you to introduce yourself to the audience, please. Sure thing. My name is Sydney, soon-to-be Bauman, working on the name change. I just recently got married, and I have multiple sclerosis. I have an invisible disability. Amazing. Um, I, first of all, I wouldn't classify, in my brain... And maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I wouldn't have classified multiple sclerosis as an invisible disability. Ooh, that's a good point. Uh, for me, it varies. I was diagnosed in 2014, so right about five and a half years ago. And up until March of last year, I didn't have any symptoms. Really, I was completely able-bodied. And then March of last year, I became fully disabled so it really wow. varies so yeah it it fucking sucked but um i am working on getting my ability levels back so it really depends on person to person some people i've lost the vision in my eyes i have lost the ability to walk before i get migraines some people just get a bit of a tremor um so it really depends like that that to me sounds like because I'm I'm used to like never walking and you know, and being a wheelchair mm-hmm. and being like a wheelchair. You're like user. suck it up, Buttercup. Like no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but it but it feels like like it just feels it feels 
strange to me. Like, I don't understand the idea of losing the ability to walk. It was really, yeah, it was something else. Um, just going from being completely able-bodied to being in a wheelchair and needing to depend on someone like that and depending on my family was a really humbling experience and it was life-changing. Kind of taking, like, I'm really interested to hear this. Take me through, like... When we talk, usually when we talk about transition to disability, we usually tend to talk about accidents. We tend to talk about people who were totally able-bodied and were doing some cool sportsy thing, and then they had an accident, and then now they've like, and now they've become this paralyzed person. That's typically the the trope we're used to seeing. But as you shared, like your disability is completely different from that, in that you you're almost Mm -hmm. like. I would say you're almost a werewolf in that, like, you, you've you changed. I'm that. a disability werewolf. I mean, oh, my God. I don't know if that's a thing we're using, but I've just made it up right now. It's a thing now. All right. Okay, good. Uh, but, it, but, it, but like, it, like you, you transform back and forth based on whatever your, your ability level is. So what was that? How did that affect you in terms of your, like, your understanding of disability? How did that feel? It was really confusing to me because I never identified as disabled before. When I got my diagnosis, I bounced back right away. It was very, I did a round of steroids and I went back to college within a week. Um, I was my, in my sophomore year of college when I got diagnosed and I uh, was back at college. But uh, this, they call it a relapse when you get sick and you start having symptoms. This relapse knocked me flat on my ass and um, I was hospitalized twice for the relapse because I came off the steroids a bit too quickly. I was a bit too eager to get back to work. Um, And it really changed my definition of who I was because as a, uh, I'm not afraid to tell the listeners that I am 26 years old. So as a young woman, Youngish, um, as a you're young- still young. I'm 35. Whatever. I wish I could be 26 again. Whatever. You're fine. It's fine. As a young woman, and especially someone who's not supposed to be sick, and someone who can pass as able-bodied, um, if you don't have like a missing limb or something, and you're using a wheelchair, a lot of the time you get a weird look, and it's like, oh, like especially in situations where if I'm using my cane and I'm walking around and I transition to the wheelchair, people will give me a weird look. So having the definition of who I am change and what disability means to me change really was interesting, if that answers your question. It does, but it brings up like five more questions. And so, uh, so which is great, which is, which is amazing. But so like, what was your definition of disability before this happened to you? Before I got sick, disability to me was someone who was in a wheelchair or needed more full-time assistance because before I got sick, I didn't even really know someone who had like cerebral palsy or anything like that. I was very, very sheltered and I didn't know anything about disability or ADA and now I can rattle all that off. I'm a fucking expert now. Wow, that's I can amazing. say fuck on this podcast, right? Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm still in the early phases of transcribing. So you were still pretty like, I was, Probably too profesh. Yeah, you can totally. Yeah, see you me. were a bit profesh then. <laughs> You're good. That 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 veneer has has definitely faded away. That has definitely faded away. You're safe to say any of the words you want to say right now. It's fine. I'm gonna say so many words. Amazing. Uh, so but so you got so like what are the 
So, like, your symptoms of MS, because it varies for everybody, what are they? What are your, like, primary symptoms of the of MS? When I was diagnosed, I came home from college for spring break, and I actually got pulled over. Don't tell my parents. I got pulled over for a speeding ticket because I was going 60 and a 45. Oh, um, no. Because I don't drive, yeah, no. so all those numbers oh. don't matter. I was going way too fast and and, uh, my left leg had gone completely numb. So I wasn't paying attention and I got pulled over for speeding and I cried and got out of the ticket. But uh, my left leg had gone completely numb and I was having vertigo bad enough that it was making me nauseous. Um, From there, other symptoms have included right now, uh, my right hand is a little bit numb, which is really fun because I'm right handed. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, it's only like, if you're like, Ooh, I really hope this doesn't happen. Your body's like, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's yep. going to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's me and my IBS symptoms all every other day. It's like, I really <gasps> hope I don't shit today. Oh, and your body's like, I guess what I think we're going to do. I think today's going to be that day. I really just, I got you, bro. Yeah. I got you. Today's yeah. off day. Yeah. So yeah. Numbness in the left side. Um, right hand weakness and then I've lost vision in my left eye um, which was fun but that bounced back so yeah so like what goes through your head when that starts what goes through your head when like one day you just lost your vision and like one day your hand goes numb like how do you because again like my my disability as a wheelchair user with CP the older I get the more I understand that it's not it's not static. It is dynamic. But I'm so used to just being a wheelchair user and sitting in a chair. And like, I, I understand the the principle of, of what my diagnosis is. But, like, mm-hmm. it is really scary when your diagnosis starts changing or starts oh, God, that's fluctuating. Yeah. My gut reaction whenever something starts to happen is this isn't happening. And that is the most frustrating thing for my family because I will deny, 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 deny that nothing is wrong and nothing is happening. And uh, my neurologist hates me for it. Um, So my gut reaction is to ignore it which is the worst thing that you can do. Yeah, that's my gut reaction, too, is to be like, nope. Hey, I'm, yeah, we're yeah, My gut reaction is to be like, <laughs> nope, that's not happening, and I refuse to notice it, and it's not going to be a problem, and I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, I'm just going to keep walking on this broken leg. You know, you can't stop me. You're not my real mom. Yeah, like, you don't know. You don't know my life. Try, try disability. Exactly. Try, me. try and stop me, which is good until it's not. And usually when it's not, it's really bad. Though I did get to meet a really hot firefighter that way. Oh, um, tell me that story. You'll like this story. Let's... <laughs> so I was going to physical therapy in between my two hospital sessions um, back in spring of last year. And I was getting in the car and my boyfriend, he was my boyfriend at the time, now husband, was going to drive me um, because I wasn't driving at that time. And I was getting in the car and I fell and I couldn't get back up. So we couldn't get me back up. My mom couldn't get me back up. And so we called the fire department. And so they sent search and rescue, an ambulance, and firefighters. And so this firefighter picked me up and I was so hysterical and stressed out and on like steroids that I started flirting with him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And he was like, well, tell, tell that to my wife. And I was like, I'll tell that to your wife. Give me your number. <laughs> oh, I didn't no. get his number. Oh, no. So close. So close. This close. He was really nice, though. 
You know, my experience with firefighters and paramedics, they've always been really hot, but unfortunately my experience has been like, oh, I think I'm having an IBS attack, and it's, that's not sexy. Like, how do you make no. that, how do you flirt with somebody when you're like, I think I just shit through my guts? Um, hmm. See, mine was, I've fallen and I can't get up. Like, like I need life alert. <laughs> Don't you wish they made, like, a sexy life alert? I've fallen and I can't get up. I need life alert. And you, like, press it, and instead of, like, that, you know, old lady siren, it's, like, some sexy, like, bing. Oh my god, like a sexy, like a stripper pole drops down. Yeah, and... that's what I want. <laughs> a stripper pole with a grab bar so you can actually get yourself back up and oh my god. start doing it. Exactly, you can pull yourself up on the stripper pole, and that's how you're going to save yourself. You don't need no fireman, that's though right. the fireman would be nice. I mean, listen, fireman, listen. Come to, I almost, you know, I almost called the fireman the other day because my attendant care workers wouldn't come fast enough to help me go pee. And they hadn't come in two hours, and I didn't know where they were, and I need a catheter. So I had to, mm-hmm. two hours in, I was like, well, I'm going to have to call 911 because I don't know where, where anybody is. So, like, I literally phoned 911, and I was like, hey, um, I don't know how to make this real or not, but I need somebody to come help me do a catheter. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's not really emergent but it also could be really emergent so and then just as i called them they my care worker knocked on the door and i had to like be like oh sorry 911 dispatcher like i'm not kidding but they're literally just here and i felt so bad because i was like i shouldn't have like huh so so you see you're in canada though so everything's paid for if they did come and help you well no technically had they taken me in an ambulance they would have charged me See, most things are paid for in Canada, but they're little loophole things like, oh, do you need a ride to the ambulance? We're charging you 45 bucks for that. See, that's 45 bucks rather than $4,500 here in the U.S. The am- Hang on. Oh, I did. And this is my ignorance. I did not know. What? One ambulance ride is $4,500. At least. There's people that take Ubers to go to the hospital these days. Jesus. Wow. Seriously. Don't come to the U.S. It sucks. America. America. Figure out universal health care. <laughs> and not even, not maybe not even entirely, just like parts of it that won't cost. Exactly, you. exactly. For us disabled folks, yeah, get your shit together. Like, figure it out. Um, I did also want to ask you about how your. So we know we know that you're a werewolf, which is amazing. Um, it's amazing. I'm totally just gonna put that everywhere. Do it. Support BTW. It. I'm a werewolf. Yeah, because uh, you know people call me a chairwolf because you know I. I can, I don't, there's a, there's a reason why I can't remember, but there's a thing going on the internet where like people think that we're chairwolves because we, some of us can leave our chairs and some of us can, so you're a chairwolf. I'm not. Chairwolf, I love that. But I think it's hilarious. Um, That's amazing. Where was my next question going to be? I was going to ask you about, tell me about your, the day you were, tell me about your diagnosis story, because I think diagnosis stories are really, yeah. are really, really important and we don't hear enough about diagnosis stories and I think sure. that it would be really fun to hear that. Sure. I had come home from college, avoided that speeding ticket by being a woman and crying. Good and for yeah, you. seriously. <laughs> and I had come home for spring break and I was limping. I was having trouble getting up the stairs and I went to my primary doctor um because my parents were like, You're sick and I was like, No, 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 no. You're sick. I'm not sick. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. 
um, because I'm a sassy asshole. And they insisted that I at least go to my primary well, doctor. Well, I pretty much decided the title of this episode. Oh, God. I'm a sassy asshole. Yeah, there it is. Right there. It's so true, though. I'm such a sasshole. Um, <laughs> seriously. Um, and I went to my doctor, and he wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't look me in the eye. I've been going to this doctor. At that time, I'd been going to him for most of my life since I phased out of needing a pediatrician. Um, and he referred me to a neurologist. And the neurologist saw me the I think it was like a week later because I know I had to miss school for that and it was actually my dad's birthday that we got the appointment and so we got up early and my parents dropped me my dad dropped me at the door went to park the car both of my parents came which was super exciting that's how I knew it was bad um and the I love doctor how, as you tell the story you're kind of excited you're like I'm, you're like into the into the the origin story of your diagnosis oh but, yeah but it's also... my superhero story it's my werewolf story <laughs> yes. um i've gotten really good at telling this story so uh the doctor have you seen that thing where they tap you your knee with the hammer yeah yeah she did that and i almost kicked her in the nose and she was so tiny and so sweet and i felt so bad oh, no. um, but it's called being spastic it means your reflexes and your muscles are really tight yeah it's me and cp um, in my life every day i got you I'm yeah right seriously you. it's yeah. really fun it's really fun so she sent me for an mri and we got the the uh, the thing i remember most about that mri is the mri tech had the worst fucking coffee breath i have ever had like in my life i was like dude do you need a breath mint like do you need a second are you trying to hide something so every time you smell coffee breath now are you like immediately transported back to your diagnosis it's like back to that day a year later i had another mri with that same guy oh no coffee breath i was like has no one told you about breath mints (laughs) has no one been kind to you my friend what did someone do to you (laughs) who hurt you i'm in the kink i can hurt you wow we're gonna get (laughs) to it we're gonna get to that but again with my werewolf story about i would say like an hour and a half two hours later um we were sitting in the because the doctor's offices are always so tiny um we were sitting in the doctor's office and she comes in and again people don't look at me they look at my parents because i am a i was 20 at the time so they didn't want to look at me because she was about to completely turn my life upside down and Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you know, flip my life upside down, and I don't know how to rap, so I'm not going to rap that. Please try. No, no, wait, wait. Try. Oh God, this is a story about. Nope. nope. That's about as much as I can get in. I haven't listened. To... I haven't watched that show in ages. Apparently, he uh, wants to do a remake. I don't know why. I don't. But look, that is what we need. Is it though? Because like. Here's my sidebar tangent about Will Smith's acting ability. We saw him in the live action of Aladdin, and we all kind of went, really, though? I have refused to see it. I I found it on a streaming site today, and I watched the first five minutes, and I was like, okay, I'm out. Like, that's it. I don't need any more. No more of that. Yeah, no. So, so uh, somehow, let's, let's sidle back to this. <laughs> So the doctor comes in and she says to my parents, not to me, to my parents, Sydney has MS. And my mom starts crying. And my dad, who is this big guy, big old guy, he doesn't have feelings, um, 
he buys me things instead of having feelings, which has been really great because whenever I've gotten sick, he's bought me something. Like when I got diagnosed, I got a TV and makeup. Yes. Uh, right. Do you think people should get diagnosis gifts? Oh my God. Yeah. Like, um, you get Halloween or not Halloween presents. You get like Christmas presents and Hanukkah presents and that kind of thing. You should get diagnosis presents. I agree with this. This is, look, I was diagnosed on my first, like in February, 1985 after I was like one, I was like one. So listen, I am due 35 and a half years of diagnosis gifts. Family figure it out. (laughs) We'll send this to your family and be like, excuse you, 35 years of presence? I think that is at least a nice vacation. Right? I mean, I just came back from vacation, but yes. Hey. Hey. I just came back from the UK. It was amazing. I'm so jealous. I just came back from Alaska, though, so I can't be too sad about vacation. Did you see a moose? Did you see Mises? I kissed a moose. What? This episode has already like sidelined a million times. I love it. I I'm, know. I'm so sorry. It's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it, it was so much fun. Anyway, so my mom starts crying and my dad got a little bit misty, which is for him the equivalent of sobbing. Um, I'm not going to let them listen to this because that would be weird. So I can embarrass them all I want. Or amazing. And- Mr. <laughs> Mr. Smith, um, I'm here for you if you want to tell me your feelings about Sydney's oh my god reach out reach out and buy andrew presents because he <laughs> you you don't need to have feelings with andrew either you can just buy him presents 30, <laughs> 35 and a half years okay we're getting sidebarred so <laughs> <laughs> your dad's missing so my mom's crying and then i got a bunch of those i don't know you were probably too young to get any pamphlets but i got literally a stack of pamphlets this big on so you have ms Here's what you do. They literally did. They actually say so. You have MS. No, they didn't. But they should have. It was like all about MS and what to do after diagnosis. And she was like, "Now don't go home and Google." So guess what I did? Of course, went home of Google course. because you would do. Of course you would. Of course I would. My life had just been flipped upside down, Fresh Prince of Bel Air style. So I went home and I Googled everything. And I just had the next week, uh, we went in for a round of steroids. And we did either three or four days of intravenous steroids. And the worst part of that is it tastes like... uh, Rotten pennies. That's the best way I can say it. Is anyone who's had IV steroids can vouch for me that it tastes like rotten pennies. I have never had IV steroids, but I don't oh, it's think it's the worst. I don't think I'd want to take. So it's like copper. It's like rotting copper. It's like rotting copper. I mean, I think I might have been there, but just not through steroids. I'm sure there are other drugs that simulate that because I know what that tastes like i've had it oh god yeah um chemo patients have had that as well um that taste you get when you're doing chemo apparently i am friends with a lot of nurses um so yeah that was my diagnosis i went back to college the following like thursday and i kept kicking names and taking ass amazing speaking of taking ass Hey. You also mentioned on <laughs> on the on the thing that you are kinky and polyamorous. Yes. So my next question to you then is how does your disability 
how did your polyamory present before you became diagnosed? And how does your polyamory present after you became diagnosed? Two questions. It's been interesting. So before I was diagnosed, I was dating around and dating multiple people. And it was interesting to tell those people that I was seeing like, hey, this is a thing. And there were a few people that faded away, you know, and nothing to their... I don't hold it against them just because it is a huge thing because I can pass as able-bodied. Um, but before I was diagnosed, it was really hard to be poly in college just because that was taking up so much of my time and energy. But, uh, yeah, I'm not certain if that answers your question. I got a little bit distracted thinking about, um, past partners. So, uh <laughs> My question was like, how did your poly present before disability and how did it present after? Okay, so before disability, it presented as me dating uh, multiple people. Um, before I got diagnosed, I wasn't dating anyone seriously, which was kind of nice just because then I wouldn't have had to worry about, oh, is this going to affect my relationship with so-and-so? Um, but I was dating some people casually after diagnosis. Polyamory has still been a huge part of my life. Um, my husband and I are very actively polyamory. Both of us are dating. Oh gosh, he's dating more people than I am. He's, I introduced him to the lifestyle. We were monogamous for a while and I was like, Hey friend. Hey person I care about. Guess what? Guess what? I like you a lot and I like other people a lot. And he's jumped into it with both feet and he's actually dating more people than I am because he's a little slut and I love him for it. I mean, <laughs> slut power, right? But like, right? You can oh my be gosh. sexy, seated, and slutty all you want. Like, it's great. Um, oh, yeah. You mentioned, and then we know you're a werewolf. Do you also have like a wheelchair that you use? Do you, what, what are your. <laughs> Mobility devices that you transition in and out of? I have a wheelchair. I have a powered scooter that we called Scooty Puff Jr. because it sucks and I love Futurama. Um, I have a Why cane. have we never talked before? Why are we best friends? Is my We are best friends from this point moving on. I mean... <laughs> Um, let's see. I have a cane and I have a walker and uh, the walker has a nifty little basket on it. So if I... Because with a walker, you need both hands. So I yeah. can like, stick snacks in there. Amazing. Um, how, now, with each different mo- mobility device, how do how are you received when, say, you have – if it's a cane day versus a walker day versus a wheelchair day? Like, Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I've gotten really good when I'm using the cane to make excuse me sound like go fuck yourself mm-hmm. uh, because there are so many people. And I'm sure as a wheelchair user, you can experience this, that – completely ignore the fact that you're using it it's like i know that this makes me a little bit more bulky can you please give me a little extra space i would say uh with the cane a lot of people when we were just in alaska people were like oh i have bad knees too and i'm like yeah that's definitely it thank you for assuming yeah that's that's fine you know whatever um with the walker i get lots of pitying looks which is weird um because i think it's interesting for someone under the age 
of like 60, 70 gray hair kind of thing to be using a walker. Yeah. But that's one of the most comfortable things. I actually got proposed to using the walker. So. Okay. All right. Let's let, we need, let's go right to that. <laughs> let's just jump right to that point. I know to hear all of this because I think it's really, we don't, first of all, we don't talk enough about disabled weddings. Let's fucking, can somebody do a whole podcast about that, please? Because that's. Oh like, my God. That would be amazing. Can someone. Like disability weddings, I'll produce it. Somebody let me know. Um, but I want to let's go to like that moment. So, you so just take me there, okay? If you want me to get him, he's downstairs and he can tell it a lot better than I can. Well, I've never had a pass off to the guys. All right, I mean, sure, sure. Okay, let me call him because I don't want to yell straight into your ear. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm we're going to, to switch to. To Sydney's husband, and I'm gonna press record, and I'm gonna to try to put the files together. So, hold, please. Do do do. Good. Hi, Chris. Uh, hello. Hi. I am talking now to Sydney's husband, and you're gonna tell us a story about when you proposed to Sydney, and she was in her walker. Yeah. Um. So I guess the the backstory to this is every year since we started dating, we went apple picking in September or October, whenever we could do it. And, you know, it, we'd been dating for what, four years at that point, about four years. And it's like, well, we should probably get to the proposing part. So I, I come up with a fake apple and hollow it out to put the ring in and without you knowing it all. And I managed to sneak it into the car, into my pocket out of my pocket, into another pocket, into a couple different places that I have it with me and it doesn't look suspicious at all. And then, you know, we we go apple picking, right? And we decided that a walker was a better idea because you probably could have gotten away with a cane, but with the way the uneven ground is, it'd be a little bit dicey. So we went with a walker and that was still in your hard year yeah so we kind of went safe than sorry because the last thing you want to do is have your romantic tradition end in a, a poor way when you're on the ground and we're trying to figure out how to get around that so anyway we have the walker and you know you're helping you're getting some of the apples and i'm getting the tall ones because that's what tall people do and I, I wander off to um, go pick some apples off a different tree as a, as a veiled excuse to sneak the fake apple with the ring inside into the bag of apples that we were picking. Smart, smart, sneaky. I'm, I'm here <laughs> for it. Yep, good. It's very sneaky, yeah, when you have a fake apple and it, it blends in with other apples. And then um, I come walking back over to you and be like, hey, this, this apple is kind of weird. It has this this line through the middle of it and then you know you just you, you can take it apart and it's the ring you know, sort inside. of the rings inside of it and then yeah i you just fell apart you're just all tears all over the place so i Oops, guess all tears so i guess she was happy that the walker was there because like she could lean on the walker in joy yeah in joyful tears yes that, I mean, that's a good way to say it Lean on the walker for joyful tears. Amazing, amazing. And how did you how did you feel like proposing to her with her mobility device there? Was it different for you? Did you feel like you had to like make space for that? How did it feel for you? 
Uh, I mean, it's one of those things where you don't imagine it as like when you're proposing to your girlfriend at the time, then fiance, now fiance, now wife. I was gonna say, what am I to you? You are a person. You're a people. Whomst? <laughs> yeah. So it's you don't you know in your imagination you're sort of what everyone sees is like you don't see the mobility device there but you know at the same time no one was going to be taking pictures or doing anything like that it's just kind of an us thing so it's like well instead of doing it right in front of your walker i just sort of moved over to the side because you know and i because you were holding on to it but i just went to the side of it so i didn't like kneel into it no because that would probably hurt your that would probably hurt because <laughs> those things are sharp yeah you beat me with it enough times I shoved it in the back seat. It's a miracle our back seat isn't torn up. So now we now we know what spouses actually use their mobility devices for is to to get their spouse to do what they want by beating them with it. You were <laughs> here first. That's what happens. That that is sometimes how it works. Well, because she can beat me with it, but then also I can take it away and beat you with it. You, I'm yeah. learning so much about your relationship dynamic in, <laughs> in the last minute and a half, Chris. It's it's mostly sass back and forth in a loving way to strangers. I think I hey, I think that's awesome. Um, <laughs> as her partner, do you have anything you want to share about her? Your experience being a partner of her as she deals with this disability and as she like learns to be to deal with MS. Uh, I'd, I'd have to say with. You know, being a spouse to someone who has MS, it's not always sunshine and rainbows, but I don't think it's depression and clouds all the time either. Right. I mean, it's it's not fun. No one, no one's, you know, no one wakes up and it's like, hey, here's a great idea for fun. Let's go have MS. But, you know, it's it's more like you end up a team with each other. It's like, okay, so it's going to be us against the ms not like oh her ms is flaring up today so thanks for no. thanks for being a killjoy it's more like you know we were we were planning to do the thing but then the ms got kind of hard so we're just gonna take it easy today because it's it's yeah so it's not like a okay the chair i used to sit in yeah i know you anyway so it's, you know, you, you kind of learn how to be effective at it because, right, she doesn't, you know, no one wants to be the patronized kind of like, oh, we have to take care of you the whole time. Like, oh, you can't do anything for yourself or yeah, you yeah. let me do that. Yeah. So you don't want to do that because that's like, it's not great. It's not a great feeling. It's not a good look. But you also, at the same time, you don't want to like pretend it doesn't exist at all. Yeah, of course. And it's like, ah, you're fine. You're fine. It's you're just, you know, you're just tired or something today. So it, I think it only comes when you're with someone for so long that you kind of start picking up on just where that line is. Because right, some people are like super freaked out. You know, oh, oh, you you porcelain doll we can't let you do anything but then other people are just like eh, it's no big deal and then you know they run out of all the all the spoons all at once so it's kind of the, the more you spend with someone the more you kind of learn 
the best way to sort of work together with it. Of course. Do you have any advice for, say, somebody who is not disabled but is dating somebody who has an, an illness that flares up from what you've learned? Do you have anything you want to share with them before I let you go? Uh, uh, I'd say there's no good proper word for it, but empathy and patience maybe might be the best word. Like you, you, you don't want to just feel bad for them all the time, but you do want to understand sort of what they're doing what's going on with them and being patient with that so it's not just like sadness all the time yeah so you're not sad all the time but you're not pretending that it doesn't exist either so i think it's sort of finding that balance that you're working on it as a as a team against whatever it is that's okay so i I think that might be the better way to say it is like you're a team against whatever sort of disability or yeah or whatever ailment you're, you're dealing with yeah what, whatever it is you know some people are like oh i have a cold for you know four or five days you you kind of get patient with them you know you don't expect them to run a marathon or do all the dishes or you know clean absolutely everything all the time but you know you kind of say well you know we can't do it right now but we'll we'll get back to it and at the time, so it's it's patience in that sense, because you're gonna both be exasperated at whatever it is that's sort of putting a damper on things. Is that a decent word for it? Totally is. It's like, yeah, this sucks, but you know we're we're kind of working on it together. So it sort of loops back around into the whole, it's it's us against the MS or whatever it might be instead of. It's me versus you and the MS. It's it's both of us. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you found you found a way to be a team with with Sydney. Yeah, it, it's kind of cheesy when you put it that way, and it, you know, it it almost sounds disingenuous when you think about it. It's like, yeah, we're a team, and we just we work so well together, and we do it so perfectly. It, it was not perfect the whole way because <laughs> you know it's like well. Let's go have a fun trip to the hospital this time. Here. Oh, yeah, that was that was a great time. So I, I think it's one of those things where you... And there's no way to put the experience into a handful of sentences. Yeah. yeah. No, of course. It's kind of like... No, this thing, well, thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Yeah. And for taking a minute to, to tell the engagement story which i think is so cute um (laughs) all right so no thank you and i'd love to talk to sydney again now sure here you go thanks chris yep thank you sydney your husband is so cute and thank you for embarrassing him making him come upstairs and and do that it is my favorite thing he gets so embarrassed so easily like it's it's how i get joy (laughs) (laughs) so so he told his version of the story and how he proposed to you, um, which I think is adorable, proposing in an apple orchard, because I just did an episode, like, I just did an episode, of, by the time this comes out, it'll be a few weeks old, probably, but I did an episode about, you know, going to, in fall time and, like, the orchard and, like, doing that stuff, so 
So, how did it feel for you to have your to have your walker in an apple orchard? I was really frustrated just because I had been doing so much physical therapy. Um, I had a feeling the proposal was coming because uh, you saw him. He can't keep a secret to save his life. No, he's a shy, <laughs> nervous, like beautiful. Uh, he's beautiful. He's a gorgeous little nerd, and he can't keep a secret to save his life. So I had a feeling it was coming, and the week before, he told me, like, hey, maybe you should get your nails done. And I was like, why would I get my nails? Oh, so I had a feeling it was coming. Um, and I was so frustrated when we decided you should probably use the walker just so it's not like, oh man, she's down um, during the middle of the happiest moment of my life so far. Um, so it wasn't what I expected it to be. But if it had come to either you're not getting proposed to or you could potentially keel over from crying so hard during the proposal, I would prefer to have the walker and have it be an adaptation of the proposal that I had been dreaming of for the past, at that point, four years. Of course. like, but, but And again, I think it's so iconic because, and I hope somewhere there's like wedding photos of you with the movie related device. Like I are there Oh, there's not. I worked my ass off to be cane free on my wedding day, but I was so tired. I paid for it the day after. For sure. Um one of the things he said that was like really that really kind of sparked me for a minute. He mm-hmm. said that it, that when he when he works when when he's with you, it's like you and him are a team fighting against the MS. Mm-hmm. And the reason that kind of like made me take pause for a minute was because there are moments where I fight against my disability and there are moments where I like have to lean into being disabled. Um, like, so when he, when he said that, I was like, I wonder what Sydney feels about that. Do you feel like you, do you feel like it's a battle against with the two of you in the MS or do you feel, how do you feel about that? I do feel like it's a bit of a battle just because um, I think of my disability and that it comes in waves just because there are days where I have good days and I have bad days, but everyone has good days and bad days. But for me, um, my good days look a lot different than other people's good days and my bad days, um, I get migraines Um, and that's been something that's been new, um, migraines and headaches. So um, I feel like that's a battle against what I can do to be more normal. Um, But normal is overrated and I hate to be so cliche. And you can see me rolling my eyes, but um, I Oh, don't worry. My disability brain was like, oh, I want to touch on that. Like, so, (laughs) so like (laughs) I have such a weird relationship to the word normal because I just, Mm -hmm. I, I, I. And I think we all do as disabled people. We like we like try to fight against it, but we also want to be it. It's really oh, weird. desperately. Like oh my god. So how, so like, how do you, how do you, how do you fight against it? How do you fight against like the, the, the normal? For me, there's like the stigma of what a disabled person is or isn't. And it's not that person that, you know, just sits in the corner and can't do anything. And I try to fight against that by going out and getting proposed to while using my walker and going to Alaska while using my cane and kicking names and taking ass and doing all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I desperately at times would give, you know, my right boob to be the person I was before I was disabled and before I got diagnosed. 
now you're only you're only 26, which is really re- relatively young to be talking about MS. Oh yeah. Um, oh my god, yeah. Do you think? Do you wish you could see more young representations of MS in the media? I really would. I'm blanking on her name right now. Um, is it Selma Blair, that young That's older right. woman? Yeah. Who's, yeah. Yep. Yep. I love it whenever I see something about her in the news. But she's in her 40s, 40s or so, I want to say. She's not very old. I think um, she's a, yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I think she's about 40, 41. And whenever I go to do uh, treatment every six months, I get intravenous treatment. Um everyone looks at me funny in the infusion suite, not the nurse. I love my nurse and not just because she's hot. <sighs> Sorry. <if> she's <sighs> This interview has so many moving parts that I don't know how to feel about any of them. And it's amazing. Keep going. <laughs> uh, but a lot of the time I am not seen as the patient or I'm not seen as I am the person that should be the person, the diagnosee I guess is a word um just because I am too young to have MS I think the normal diagnosis age is 30 to 50 um so though like, I did you're see... like right on the cusp of like oh yeah when I'm supposed to be diagnosed um though I did see something about a teenager that had MS that broke my heart so we're out there um it's just not very common right um Tell me about your hot nurse. So I just saw her on Tuesday. She's blonde and she's so tiny, but um, she's got like this baby bump right now. So she's so cute and so excited. And she's, she hurts me a little bit, which I kind of like, but cause like, you know, whenever you get stuck, how it hurts, but I like being hurt. So yeah, she's really cute and really tiny, and her hands are warm, which is really nice. I don't know about the uh, care people that work with you, but whenever someone has warm hands, I immediately like them. Well, they wear they have to wear latex gloves to deal with me, so not latex, non latex powdered gloves. So like, I don't know if they have warm hands or not because they're gloves. <sighs> Damn. Right. Whenever someone has warm hands, I immediately like them more, just because if they have cold hands, I'm like, that's icky. I don't know it. Ugh, cold hands, cold heart. But whoa, unless you have, unless <laughs> let me qualify that, unless you have a disability that, that makes your hands cold. That's true. That, That's so, true. If you've got cold extremities, then I will warm you up. And you have Renaud's Renaud's syndrome or that thing that illness that makes your hands cold. We love you anyway, and you're. I will hold your hands and warm them up. Oh, fr- That's adorable. Um, how does your MS? impact both negatively and or positively your kink i would say negative oh that's a fun story so uh, one time we were my husband and i were enjoying a threesome with a friend of ours and i This was post-diagnosis um, because I didn't actually meet Chris until about three months after I got diagnosed. So I and think a possible title for this episode might actually be post my post-diagnosis threesome. There we go. There it is. You have so many titles to work with. Um, I almost need him in the nuts because I had a spasm. Um, and that almost ruined the mood a little bit there. Yeah, but... don't do it. 
But at the same time, I would say that I see my MS as a positive just because there are so many people who I'm sure you experience this as well, who are like, oh, you're disabled and they completely rabbit. Um, so yeah. those people that do stick around are those that are really wonderful and really worth knowing. Totally. Um, have you ever taken your walker or your wheelchair or your, or your what do you call your scooter again? Scooty Puff Jr. because he sucks. <laughs> That's right. Have you ever taken Scooty Puff Jr. to a kink event? Not to a kink event, but my cane has come with me to, uh, oh my gosh, we host events for the local kink community every month. We slow down around the wedding, but my cane has come to almost every event as of recent. And um, people don't usually Let's say anything about it. Promote the shit out of your, so you, so ha tell me about that. So we just host events for the local kink community. Um, in Indiana, right? In Indiana, yeah. Um, and we are here and we're looking to make friends and just promote healthy kink activity, you know? My Indiana peeps. I don't know of anybody in Indiana. Well, I do. Well, hey. Of course, there's you listening, but I don't know, I don't know of any other Indiana listeners. But... You now have someone you can connect with. Um, exactly. We're here. We're queer, and we're super I don't know. Disabled. We're, we're here. We're queer, and we're super disabled. I love that. Damn right. Uh, what I want to shift gears a little bit because something you said on your form from the very beginning I read it made me like tear up with with it. Just was so important to me. It's what. And I've never heard anybody say it before, and it just like I literally was like, "Oh, that's the one of the first things I wanted to ask you." And then we got to talking, and now it's like the tenth thing I want to ask you. So, but here we are. Um, you said on your, I said the question I ask you what is what is one thing about the disabled experience we don't often talk about that you want to shine a light on? And you wrote back to me. You said, "For me, my home is invisible illness," and that like mm -hmm. struck me, and I had to stop and be like, "Wow, that's intense and important," and and like powerful just so powerful can you expand on that for me oh sure thing so from my diagnosis on i don't i'm trying to think of the best way to say this i consider it an invisible illness just because i don't i could pass as an able-bodied person um and I say that my home is invisible illness because this is where a lot of my life has been, especially in the last year and a half. Um, so I think that um, a lot of people don't talk about invisible illness just because that isn't something that is as seen um, for people who are disabled from birth or disabled because of an accident. That totally. is more... Um, that is something that is more talked about just because I, I don't want to say it's more common just because I don't know those numbers and I don't want to write a check that my ass can't bounce. But, um, <laughs> again, um, I asked the question, why have we not been best friends since now? We are best friends from now since uh, moving forward. I mean, um, and not just because you want to hang out with my husband. Um, <laughs> I do though. <laughs> I do though. Um, I'll text you my my pics later. Hey. hey. Um. So, I think invisible illness is one of those things because you don't know the person next to you on the subway could be dealing with 
cancer or dealing with chronic migraines or dealing with a chronic pain condition. You have no idea what anyone else is going through. And I know there's that quote that is so overused on everyone's Facebook profile that everyone is fighting their own battle. But that is so true. It's true. I just wish it wasn't. It didn't sound so inspo porny. Like it's true. I hate that. Oh my god! I hate how hashtag inspo that is. Like I just wish it didn't sound like some white girl named Becky who doesn't really know what Becky with the bad hair. Yeah, I mean shit. Um, but you're right. Uh, but when you say home, like that, that the other way to look at that is like, does that does do you feel safe now in your invisible in your illness? Like, do you feel comforted like I think of my CP as home and I feel safe and comfortable in there how does it how does your MS feel like home to you I was so in denial when I first got diagnosed I would have I actually saw a therapist for a really long time and she became one of my favorite people um, just because she forced me to confront the fact that I was disabled, that this wasn't going anywhere because there is no cure for MS. And it feels like home for me now just because I am an advocate and I am someone who is going to be fighting this illness for the rest of my life. So it feels like home to me because it is part of my identity and it is part of who I am. And there is such a wonderful community of people when you go to the MS walks. I've been doing that for five years now. And Chris told me he actually thought about proposing at one of the MS walks, but oh, he didn't get together in time. And he's going to listen to this. So I'm going to call him out on that. He didn't get his shit together in time. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> And he admitted that. He said he, like, our friends got engaged. And he was like, oh, they haven't been together as long as we have. She's going to be mad. We should get going on that. Um, So it feels like home to me just because of the community of people with MS. um, And because it's part of who I am. I love that. And I'm literally like, oh, my heart is just like, (laughs) oh, God. Um, but I like this conversation has been so valuable to me because again, it like puts a f- different face on these you know, illnesses that we hear about all the time, but we don't talk about enough and and like we really don't. We really truly don't. And this was such a fun conversation, and I want to end it on this note. Is there anything else you, Sydney, who are amazing and who I'm we're gonna, I'm gonna be like, what's your number after this? But uh, hey. hey, but uh, is there anything you want to tell the audience? I would like to tell the audience that you are so loved and I love each and every one of you. And I am so grateful to have the opportunity to invade your ear holes. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and how do people get a hold of you? I am O like Australia on most social media. Feel free to hit me up. I don't bite anymore. We stopped that. Seriously, you need your own podcast. Like, can we? <laughs> like, can you? We're actually talking about starting a kink podcast. Let not me lie. know. I will help you produce. Let me know. I'll help you. Um, this was fun. You're amazing. Thank you for taking the time to be so vulnerable and so honest with us today. Um, you're just great, and I can't wait to talk more. Uh, Sydney Belt. Bauman, um, you're awesome, and thanks for coming on Disability After Dark and being one of our transcriber team again. Thank you, Woo-hoo! thank you. 
Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Annie. Bye. All right, Disability After Dark listeners, that was another episode. Thank you for listening and for keeping this show going. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you can hear, you can read some of my writings, follow along with my speaking engagements, and hire me to speak. You can also see cool videos I've been in around disability and sexuality there. All that stuff is available there. You can also follow me on all the socials at... Accessing Andrew is my new handle, so you can follow me there. Um, you can also follow the podcast specifically on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod on Twitter, and you can follow the the podcast via Facebook at facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. But uh, stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye! Copyright Notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuji. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be distributed or used without express permission. Copyright 2020.